Well, today, this is the fourth of a series, uh, occasional series that I've been doing over uh, the summer period on the Lord's Prayer. And it's, it's now going to not be an occasional series because we've now finished all the sort of um, the summer and all the different sort of other series. So we're probably going to move this through uh, into the fall just in, in looking at uh, the Lord's Prayer in, in sort of different ways. And I'm just going to recap because the last one I did was a, a month or so ago. And, and I'm talking about the Lord's Prayer here, not that thing that one mumbles in services or when one's in trouble or various things like that. But I'm talking about the Lord's Prayer as a dynamic series of affirmations that lead us directly into awakened consciousness. I'm suggesting that the Lord's Prayer is a dynamic series of affirmations that lead us into awakened consciousness. And the version that I'm using today, it's on your service sheet, and uh, it is a version I've always used, and it's uh, from a chap that, that I might call John Pettival, and he gave it to me uh, many years ago, and I've always uh, used that. And it's slightly different. The way it goes is, Father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature, may your kingdom come, may your will be done, as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. Cancel our debts as we cancel the accounts of those indebted towards us. And let us not be led into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And I've said this before, but you know, my spiritual practice really began with this. You know, my meditation practice began by using this. You know, over 30 years ago, I started to use it. And I think it's an amazing set of words um, because I think that, that they were given to us. Jesus gave these words because they lead us step by step to that place where the portal opens to the kingdom of heaven. They lead us attitudinally into that moment where it's possible for that portal to open. And I put that little graphic at the top of the page there, the front page, and it's a picture from the film Stargate. Anyone here seen the film Stargate? Well, Kurt Russell is in it, of this parish, uh, and James Spader, and they have to act together to get a set of hieroglyphs that when they're put in the right circle in the right order, the portal opens, and then the rest of the film's rubbish. But up to that moment, it's quite interesting. Um, and I'm suggesting that that is the same with the Lord's Prayer, that Jesus gave us these words so that we might open that portal within ourselves and enter what we would call the kingdom of heaven. And it is the roadmap to get, that, to get there. Um, and, and I'll just repeat just how I see that roadmap work before we go into the particular topic that I'm doing at the moment. I just give a context. You know, Father of us, that first word, acknowledges that word, Father, those words, Father of us, acknowledges that the universe is a friendly place and that there is an other to relate to. And that other has a, has, has a loving disposition towards us. It's a, it's a major thing to say, Father of us, who acknowledge the existence of other. The one who is in the heavens places that other in relationship to us. It, Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is within us. And it says that that other is within us, all around us, 
like a living, we are like living sponges at the bottom of the seabed with the ocean in and around us, an ocean of love, an ocean of the, of the beingness of this divine presence. Hallowed be your nature puts us in a correct relationship with that supreme being. Literally, may your being be regarded by me with a sense of respect and reverence. We acknowledge that all we can do in the presence of that eternity is to bow down and give up to its magnificence. So, Father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. May your kingdom come. May that loving nature come to order all things. We give up to the wisdom and love that is present in the essence of all things. And we allow it to order us and all that surround us. May your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Come and inhabit my life. May my life conform to your purposes as I acknowledge that this game is yours and I am a part of this game. Wherever you are, you bring perfection. So bring perfection into my life. So at each stage we're going through, may your kingdom come, may your will be done as in heaven, so on earth. Give us today our bread from above that gives our whole life meaning. Give meaning to my life. May I see the bigger picture. And in so doing, know what to do in any given situation. Cancel our debts as we cancel those indebted towards us. May I let go of my attachments that I have in my life and be able to focus on that divine nature. And in so doing, I let go of anything that I'm holding on to with regarding other people. And let us not be led into temptation, but rescue us from evil. And may I not be put into situations where I feed feel the need to choose between my way and my own way uh, and that way which is naturally given to me. May I allow things to happen. Um, and then the traditional form, may the, the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours. Really, for everything I participate within my life comes from that divine nature. All power comes from you and all thanks for everything I receive. Now and forever, in the present moment, which lasts for eternity. So as you go through those affirmations, it opens you up to fully being in the present and being in that right relationship. In, in the first week, I looked at that first line, Father of us. Just using that phrase, Father of us, is transformatory because it affirms the existence of other. It says that there is a universal mind there that we can connect to and be a part of the solution rather than the problem. And there is a wisdom that we can be in touch with that allows us to transform our lives and the lives of those around us. And that's an amazing piece of information. And because it says father of us, there is an idea of us being all of us equal under God. And that has huge ramifications. The equality of all beings, all things under God. It affirms the existence of a supportive other, our equality with all living beings. And that second line, the one who is in the heavens, affirming that you are a part of those heavens, intimately connected with everything else through your consciousness, being connected with that universal consciousness. There is a connection there. And last time we looked at hallowed be your nature. To hallow is to make holy, to sanctify, to honor as holy, to consecrate, to ordain. With an, an, it's an acknowledgement of our dependence on that divine nature, on that ground of being, on that universal mind. Hallowed be your nature. We give ourselves up to being a part of all creation and that we lovingly respond to it. We hallow it. 
That's the introduction. So this week, I'm going to talk about may your kingdom come. May the, may the full nature of your beingness, this is what you're saying, may the full nature of your beingness be revealed to us all. That's what that's, this is really about. And, you know, I think it is really referring to, you know, what in Christian terminology is called the second coming. It's, it's referring, may your kingdom come, is referring to the completion of everything. Now, you know, traditionally, it's seen as that moment where Jesus comes surfing down on the clouds. And that, that hymn that we're not going to sing today, is, Lo, he comes in clouds descending, once for favoured sinners slain, thousand, thousand saints attending, swell the triumph of his train, Alleluia, Alleluia, God appears on earth to reign. I, I, you know, that's not the second coming for me. You know, whatever you like to say. The, that, I think, you know, all that stuff. I always think that, that religion is a cultural interpretation of the nature of reality. That's what I see religion as being. It's a good employer of people as well. I, I, I appreciate that. But religion is, I think, is a cultural interpretation of the experience of reality. And, you know, that idea of Jesus coming down in clouds, you know, it's, it's about as relevant as the sun going across the world in, as a chariot being God. You know, it's, it's all that sort of stuff that you make up to make yourself feel that, you know, you're in a part of something that you can understand. But in reality, I'm going to tell you what the second coming is really about now. So you can write this down. I can join the heretic society afterwards. But in reality, I think the second coming, that idea of the second coming, is that moment where all consciousness, all existence, recognizes its relationship with the universal consciousness that created it. So that idea of the second coming, it's the moment where all existence recognizes its relationship with the universal consciousness that created it. Now, if you were here on our, who's here on our anniversary Sunday? And who's here, who came on the anniversary Sunday? So if you were here on our anniversary Sunday, you would have received a very large rose quartz crystal. Uh, and I'm afraid you, uh, you missed it if you didn't. We haven't got any more now, so tough. So, and in it, we put a little note in it. It said, may you know that you are blessed with unconditional love from the universe that bore you. Rose crystal is supposed to, you know, it represents unconditional love. So may you know that you're blessed with unconditional love from the universe which bore you. May you share that love with those around you. And may we travel together towards that moment when all creation recognizes the mutual blessing of existence. May we travel together towards that moment when all creation recognizes the mutual blessing of existence. That's what we're talking about. That, that is the moment that we're referring, that is may your kingdom come. And that's the moment we're talking about when we talk about, you know, when we, when we say may your kingdom come, that is what we're referring to. When all creation recognizes the mutual best, uh, blessing of creation. It is the ultimate ah oh, moment, aha moment. It's, it's an ultimate recognition. It's that moment where we all look around and go, yes, I see. Everyone and everything at that moment gets enlightened at the same time. That is, is what happens at that moment. And people say, oh, what about all the other stuff? You know, I love that quote Richard Raw was asked uh, last week. 
do you believe that hell exists? This is to suggest that hell might not. He, said, he was asked, do you believe that hell exists? And he says, yes, he answered, but no one's there. <laughs> That's a lovely idea. <laughs> yes, but no one's there. May your kingdom come is that moment that all creation, all creation is yearning for that moment. You know, Paul talks about all creation groaning for that moment. And I see that completion, that second coming, as the point where the whole world recognizes itself as being a part of one interconnected whole. It's where the world recognizes itself as being a part of one interconnected whole, where the divine in each of us recognizes the divine in each other. And we see the world for what it truly is. You know, we recognize it. All of it's recognized that heaven is, in fact, this world truly seen. Heaven is, in fact, this world truly seen. That point of realization is the point where the world is at peace with itself and at peace with the creation process. If you want to know, you know how to get world to world peace, this is it. This is how it arrives. You know, when the beauty queen stands up and says, I'd like world peace. This is actually how you get to that. And this is what Tia de Chardin calls the omega point. That's why I've called this the omega. He calls this point, this moment, the second coming, he calls it the omega point. At that moment, it's worth following this. At that moment, you know, you know right now, actually, at this moment, we are all within time. Yeah? We're all within time. Unfolding ourselves with the unfolding of a life force. You know, it is moving within us and we experience ourselves within time. And that same life force I'm suggesting is outside time continually drawing us to itself. To a moment, it's drawing us, who are within time right now, to a moment that is outside time, which when we arrive, will disappear time itself and show us the nature of the eternal. So we're being drawn from a moment that's outside time. We experience ourselves within time, and we're being drawn to a moment where time will drop away, and that is that, that moment of eternal life. And it does sound like, you know, angels on the head of a pin, but it's worth just considering it. You know, that's what's meant by eternal life. It is us, in this life, responding to something outside time, and therefore gradually, bit by bit, breaking down the idea of time that we're so bound by. And the way it works is that there is a love that arises in us and connects with that divine love. And that carries us through if we let it. You know, how that works is another sermon. And I've talked about it different times. But it's us connecting on a loving level to the loving level of the universe and being taken through. And in going with that love and responding to it, we become part of an unfolding that leads towards the omega point. We participate with it. And this complete unity with God that is at some point that we see as being in the future, means you know, that this is already happening and that this has already happened and that somehow that love is outside time as, being, and as well as being within time. I mean, the easiest way of getting the no time thing is to say that there is, there's never any past. The past never exists except in our 
thoughts. And there is no future. We are all always only in, in this moment now, ever. It's only this moment now that exists. And if we can just grab onto that, that gives you just a little look at how time actually, you know, in the now doesn't exist because we are in that moment. And that eternal love outside time is drawing us into a future that is already happening, is the eternal love that Jesus speaks of, and is the ultimate, ultimate motivating factor of life. It is the ultimate, that's the ultimate motivating factor of life, that evolutionary process. And we see it in so many things around us. We see this motivating factor. All art, I would suggest, is an attempt to highlight that which is common within us, you know, that divine nature. All art is an attempt. You know, when we're listening in the tent at the music festival, when we're listening in the tent to music, the musician is actually saying to us, you know, do you get it? Can you get this? Can you see it? You know, can you get this sort of essence of eternity that I'm trying to, you know, all art is trying to show that commonality that's between us and get people to see that commonality, that, that underlying thing that we all share. You know, painting's the same. The artist is saying, can you get it? Can you be with this? Can you see what I'm saying? And we're always trying to express that. All of creation is trying to express, may your kingdom come. Behind all art, behind all films, it's an example of the creature trying to come to terms with the creator. We are always trying to connect with it. And in our practice, in meditation, that's really what it's about. It's about trying to get a glimpse of may your kingdom come, of us reaching towards it. And I would suggest that all urges that we feel in our lives, I'm talking about all urges that we feel in our life, all our wants, all our desires, are in fact a misreading of may your kingdom come. We interpret those desires as being, oh, I must go and get a car. I must get a husband. I must get a wife. I must get more money. But actually, the desire is to may your kingdom come. The desire is to that unity. We may think we want that relationship or recognition or a jet plane or anything else. But really, that yearning for the un- is for the unification with the divine reality. Falsely identified as a desire for power or success or for gratification. We think that we want these things, but in reality, the yearning is for the unification with the divine nature. It is, it is the fundamental movement behind all evolution, all things. Paul says, we know that the whole of creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. That's what he's talking about. We feel that groaning, that desire for unification, and we try to relieve it by getting the stuff that we want. You know, pr- you know, praise my soul, the king of heaven, to thy feet thy tribute ring, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven. That's the yearning. We're yearning for that. And that, those wonderful words from that, you know, it's been so important for me, that, that, the words from that hymn, Jerusalem, written by William Blake. Blake, it, it gives the urge to that unification, full voice, you know, bring me my bow of burning gold, bring me my arrows of desire. Bring me my spear, O clouds unfold. Bring me my chariot of fire. I will not cease from mental fight, nor shall my sword sleep in my hand till we have built Jerusalem in England's pleasant, uh, green and pleasant land. It speaks of England, but it's about the universal nature. And Jerusalem is the omega point. It is till we have realized that ultimate realization. May your kingdom come. 
It is the moment of full consciousness. I'm on the last page, so don't panic. It is the moment of full consciousness with the divine when all of this and the divine nature are conscious of themselves. It is that moment when, through the consciousness that is in love, we're not looking at one another. Through the consciousness that is love, we're not looking at one another, but we're all looking in the same direction. We're not looking at one another. We're all looking in the same direction. That coming together of all things, an advent, an arrival, a coming back to the place where it all started, a oneness in the divine, a second coming. And you know, the amazing thing is that that it is in the process of happening right now. It is happening in this present space now. Because, Because we're not... But because they're not yet conscious of it, we can't realize it. You know, those crazy cults that go around saying that the end of the world is coming on such and such a day, they've got it right on one level, but they're too crazy to realize it. You have to be completely sane and present and conscious and loving to realize your place within the process and not think that you're in control of it. And I'm not talking about parallel universes or anything weird. I'm talking about actually in the moment right now, because right now is the only place it can happen in the present moment. We probably, you know, we haven't realized it yet, but we, we probably will at our death. Just before you croak, it's, ah, and then you die. <laughs> oh, I got it, oh, yeah, yeah, and then you die. That's such a tragedy, isn't it? You know, it'll happen to you. You will all get enlightened. The trouble is, it'll probably be just at that moment they're saying, you know, some awful person says, standing over you, doing the blessing, your family's all, oh, I got it, oh, and you die. That's the trouble. That's another way we experience the fullness of time, is it at our deaths. But it's much better to get it now. And why don't we? Why don't we get this now? Because we're not ready. Because the game's not over yet. Because we're part of something that is 13.7 billion years old and a known universe that is 28 give a parsecs large. You know, we're part of this huge thing that's 30, 93 billion light years in diameter. And here we are thinking that we can work it all out. That we know what's going on. We're the climate. Yes, I know what's happening. We haven't got a clue, really. That's not our job. It's not our job to work it out. That's the key thing. You're not supposed to work it out. You're supposed to say, Father of us, the one who is in the heavens, hallowed be your nature. May your kingdom come. That is our role, to get out of the way and let that consciousness come through us. Let's pray. So we do pray for our world at the moment. And we do pray that the the world will come to its senses and just recognize the impact of humanity on the earth. That we recognize that we share problems, we share responsibilities, we share good governance of the earth, the planet, our climate. And that we will have the wisdom to participate together in love. We pray for our leaders that you may give them hearts of humility and wisdom 
the willingness not to just try and get the best, but try and get the best for everybody at the same time. We pray for all those who are afflicted by conflict, all those who are in war zones, in difficulty, people who are hungry or homeless, people under oppressive regimes, people not able to lead their lives in the way that they want to. We pray that love and sense comes through humanity to look after these people. And pray for those in our own community. Pray for Jeannie Waller, suffering from cancer. We really do give thanks for, for George Brewster, CP's brother, who has recovered from cancer. Also, we pray for CP's daughter, struggling with Lyme disease. For Rita Hunter, suffering with Lou Gehrig's disease. For Heather Morrow, recovering from a brain injury. For Haley Dart, recovering from a stroke. And from Pat Smith with cancer. We pray for these people and all those that we personally know in our hearts that are struggling with illness at the moment. We pray that that loving nature will come into their lives and heal them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.